you've got to deal with a lot of things in the entertainment business. And most of it is people skills. Sound design. Sound Design Live is produced independently by me, Nathan Lively, in Oakland, California. Welcome to Sound Design Live. Today, my guest is Sound Module Coordinator at the University of Surrey, Paul McConkie. Paul, thanks for coming to talk to me today. No problem. Okay, so I want to talk to you about the program that you're running and getting jobs in the entertainment industry. But first of all, what's your favorite player musical of all time? Actually, I really quite like late, lately is We Will Rock You. What's that? That's a, a musical that's in, in London at the moment. A really interesting show. I would recommend anybody go and see it. <laughs> all right, Paul, so how did you get your first job in audio? I was a musician, first of all. My best friend was wanted to be a guitarist, and I did too. And we had to form a band, and that band consisted of only one guitarist. So I had to play keyboards. <laughs> so I got stuck on the keyboard very begrudgingly. We went on to actually finally get a record deal. Really? And yeah, the band fell out, as usually what most bands do when they get a record deal. Finance has a problem. And I found out the best way to keep alive was the most expensive thing that we had to do was record in the band. Mm -hmm. So I decided that with the money that we got out of the band, the bit that we split it up, we split, we split it sort of five, six ways, mm -hmm. um, the money that I put into a recording studio and started my own recording studio and recorded bands and my own material and... From then onwards, um, it sort of escalated and I started doing some live work with the bands and happened to be their front of house sound engineer because I mixed them in the studio. And it went on from doing smaller bands to larger and larger bands and larger bands came into the studio and we, I used to go out and tour with them. And then I suddenly went full-time live on tour with rock and roll bands. How did you start getting your first clients doing recording? Were they other people that you knew from playing around, other musicians that you knew personally? Yeah, I mean, you make contacts through contacts that you get from playing live and, and being in, in on the scene, as they say, um, which is the local bands. And we started breaking out into the radio stations and doing competitions for various different bands to come in to record. Um, and then myself and my friend got quite linked in with various different people and bands. And we started to do some various recording. We also done some um, songwriting. And then from then onwards, you'd, you'd um, have the association with the bands and you'd go out with the bands. And um, mostly with mine was rock and roll bands. While I was on tour, I came for an interview with um, GSA, Guildford School of Acting. I stayed and I've been here ever since. Great. How long have you been there? 15 years now. Well, let's talk about the professional production skills course at the University of Surrey. Um, the description says, Surrey graduates are confident, creative, and technically skilled practitioners who have the ability and stamina to succeed in all areas of the entertainment industry. So I like this idea of having a wide range of production skills. I don't think most students are thinking about that when they go to school because I definitely wasn't. I just wanted to be the greatest record producer in the world. 
I had no idea that later on I would want to know about lighting or production management. So do students pick a focus or do all of them train in everything? Light, scenic, design, sound, etc. Well, they come here as, as a mixed bunch, really. Whatever draws them in, whether it's being a DJ, whether it's uh, amateur dramatics um, that brought them in, whether they're a, an actor, actress that decide to become a little bit more technically minded, or whether they're a musician, or whether they have a particular field, um, they love watching or they love in, they enjoy musical theatre, but they have no idea on the technical side, but they, they want to have a go, they come here. And they could be um, semi-pro um, stage managers. They come here and suddenly they end up being lighting designers or wardrobe mistresses. They get the chance in the first year to sample everything, which a lot of places don't actually provide for them. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, after the first year, some of them can start to um, assemble their ideas and say, well, actually, what I need to specialize in is this. I've tried everything now, a bit of sound, a bit of lighting, a um, bit of stage management, a bit of wardrobe, a bit of carpentry, a bit of design, a bit of paint. Um, but I am woodcraft. I, I really like that area. I'd like to specialize in that area. We've rewritten the course now to make it um, more of a um, going into specialized areas in, in, their, um, in their second year. And, and third year is really specializing in, into more of the management side of the design, the sound design and the lighting design and um, also set design. Nice. So it sounds like everybody kind of comes in on the same level and then they pick a path as they move along. Yes, that's right. I think it's easy to say that you're a good creative problem solver, but man, when you get into some of those really difficult problems and there's not money to just buy the perfect solution, that's when you find out how much you really care about the job. <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, it's being everything that you think that you don't necessarily need to be. Tolerant, forgiving, understanding, all of the things that you probably think, well, I'm just good at my job, I can go and get a job. There's a lot more to it. And you'll find out that you have a process. Your most important thing is your first production meeting. I always tell my students this. And they say, why? I said, why? Because if you make a good impression on the first initial attempt and you take over your particular area and you show that you're confident, understanding, and also not going to take any um, uh, rubbish from anybody, then they sort of leave you to it to to a certain point. Yeah, so if you can inspire confidence from the very beginning, then maybe they won't try to micromanage you so much and you can really do your job better. It is, yeah, it is that way. So going back to that description that I read a few minutes ago, it says in there that you teach the stamina to succeed. So I really like this idea of having the stamina to succeed because that's always been one of my biggest obstacles in my professional career. So how do you train someone to have the stamina to succeed? The stamina to, to succeed is enduring the tasks over a, a long time. So you teach them how to use cocaine. 
<laughs> not quite that, no. <laughs> they have to um, live off of adrenaline half the time, their own adrenaline. Well, so I think enthusiasm definitely works at the beginning. But what about when you are three, five, or even 10 years into your career, maybe you don't have as much enthusiasm anymore. Or maybe you do at the beginning of a job, but maybe not towards the end. Or maybe at the beginning of that 10-hour day, but maybe not towards the end. So do you think after people have been doing this for a while that they're still running on enthusiasm? I mean, what else, what else do you think you could say about the stamina to succeed? I think you have a love for the art. For, for initially, most people come into this for a reason. And that reason is, is, the, is the love of the business. I love music, so I came into, into this um, area of work. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does dwindle, you know, different times, but if you try and focus it in a different way and then come back to it, I was a musician. Um, I wasn't a particularly good musician, but I was a musician. And I found out my, my love of music took me to towards sound engineering. Not everyone is going to have the stamina to succeed um, being a sound designer in a theater for 10 hours a day. Maybe they will be, but they will have the stamina to succeed to be in a recording studio for 10 hours a day or um, operating lights for 10 hours a day, you know, whatever the thing is. So, so yeah, I think there are definitely jobs where um, people are more fit and have more stamina for that particular thing. Yes, very much so. Okay, so here's another quote that I pulled off of the website, and I'm hoping uh, you would talk about it for a little bit. It says, An unrivaled employment record with an unusually high percentage of alumni represented in any given time in the production lists of West End shows and national tours. So that's really powerful. I mean, mainly because kids will want to be able to show that to their parents and say, see, I'll have a job afterwards. So what's involved in getting your students really great job placement? A lot of the trade. Nowadays, you get by word of mouth and proving how, you know, how good you are on, on the case. Mm-hmm. So depping is a, is a wonderful way of getting in. And how they do that is going to um, the major West End shows. I mean, they go around warehouses. There's a lot of very good companies here um, that we use to mention Delta and SFL and Blitz and Orbital and Autograph. You hear them all. They're all this... The top, some of the top companies there that we, we use and get equipment from, they allow us to have our students go into their premises and be part of the workforce for a week, two weeks, three weeks, even six weeks. And they get familiarised with the, the processes that the industry is, is doing at the, at the current time, the equipment, how to meet the people that come in and out. So once you network and start to meet people, they say, oh, I recognize your face. How are you doing? They go, oh, we need somebody to do. Hey, you, you worked for free for us for a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's the, way, that's the way it goes. Work for free for us for a while, but eventually you get a reputation. And that reputation is, is, you know, is gold dust. So you said one thing that I didn't understand. What's a dep? Oh, a dep. Oh, to deputize. is somebody who goes in and... Um, 
deputized as, as one of the other guys. Normally, say, for instance... Oh, okay, so there's no job interview. They're just deputized. Nope. They immediately become someone without exactly. having to go through the normal process. Yeah, because okay. you've already seen their work. You understand who they are. They work well with the... I mean, it's a lot of... Uh, getting a job is a lot of fitting in half the time because it's a family. Mm-hmm. That body of people that are in a show are a family. Will you fit in that family? No. Okay, then you're not going to be invited. If you, if you do fit in that family and they think, right, it's not going to cause me any problems as a, as a lighting sound designer or, or, or stagehand, they'll be good to come in for that and that they won't upset the, um, with our wonderful cast. So in they come, they get a chance to do, like, say, for instance, a sound number four job, which is assisting the sound number three, putting the radio mics on backstage. And they get used to the face and they like that person. And next thing you know, they've got the job. There they go. I've had students come out of here. Um, one of my students went to a place called Orbital. Um, they worked there for a little while. They got in, they did some networking. They got on, they said, here we go. Try this um, show over um, in the West End. They went to the West End show. They depth for a while. Somebody else saw them. They got some work. She's now... Working at the, I don't know whether you heard of the O2 in England? Yes. She's working there as number two or number one sound engineer. She probably gets twice the amount of wages that I get. Oh, right. That's how students work. We've been very lucky here because of um, our connections and how we sort of place students. We have had a good response on that in the industry. But there is, there is a wealth of... Um, uh, of work within audio and I, I do really want my students to start to understand that uh, there is a possibility to diversify from audio as in theatre I mean theatre has got its um, we have got a, our roots in theatre but to go a little bit further and stretch around is um, a very interesting um, way of keeping our audio engineers employed so, Paul, we've talked about communication being a good skill and um, being able to get along with people. And now I want to ask you what you feel like is the most important skill or quality a person can develop to be successful in the entertainment industry. Well, unfortunately, there is no one skill that has to be a combination of transferable skills that you, that you um, take on board because you, you've got to... You've got to deal with a lot of things in the, in the um, entertainment business. And most of it is people skills. If you're good with your people skills, sometimes the job itself, can then you can train yourself up to be um, good at that area. You don't come out of here being a, an, an amazing sound engineer or a fantastic lighting operator or a brilliant stage manager. People see what your potential is because you, you're able to do a, a lot of things and you can understand a lot of areas. People come out of here and they're multitasking. So I can't really say one skill, but I mean, communication is, is a key factor. Maybe you should have a course called Don't Be a Jerk. <laughs> Hey, have you guys heard of Patreon? It's kind of a big deal. It's like an ongoing Kickstarter for artists and podcast producers. If you go to patreon.com slash sounddesignlive, 
you can start supporting this podcast for as little as $1. And you can get some free shit like ebooks, career coaching, and backstage VIP passes. Pretty sweet, right? And the more supporters who join, the more awesome sound design live will become. Yay. If you could go back in time and talk to the 17-year-old or the 20-year-old Paul McConkie, what would you say to him? Wake up earlier. <laughs> Make sure you're on time everywhere. Were you? Did you used to be late everywhere? Oh, terribly. Yeah? That's did you cool. lose jobs because of that? Yeah. Okay. Be, listen to people. I done one job, I, I shouldn't really say it, but I, I done one job, I was down at the BIC in Bournemouth, big place, and um, I didn't really listen to some of the guys. I said, make sure you, you know, your sound's right on every area. I was the main front of house sound engineer. I put the kit in, uh, flew it, rigged it, and engineered it. And, of course, I was down, there was like three tiers. No, it's five tiers, actually. And the first three tiers, I think I could run up and down. The first, the next two I forgot. 300 people walked out of the theatre because it was too loud. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got sacked, of course. And um, things like that you don't forget. So those are the things I would say to me if I was there. Listen to people. Don't think you're too cocky. You, you don't know it all. I still don't know it all now. And um, I've been doing it for years, um, 35 years now. Get up earlier, don't be late, don't be cocky. Got it. Yeah. Basically those three. <laughs> okay, Paul, so where is the best place for people to follow you online if they want to see what you're up to? I think the best way is to, um, is to go to Surrey University. Realistically, we, we've, we've got a, um, a website there if you look under sound that's where i am all right paul well thanks so much for being on sound design live thank you sound design thanks for listening to sound design live music in today's episode provided by iso 999 find his music at reverbnation.com slash iso 999